All right. We have a great episode of Side Retired today. Brett Chauncey, also known as H-Town Wheelhouse, will be joining us on today's episode again. So, James, let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Side Retired. It's Dylan Campione, James Tausig, and Henry Kalani as always. And James, this is always a fun episode whenever we do these with Brett. Extremely excited to have you back on the podcast. I don't know if I should say H-Town Wheelhouse or Brett. Thanks so much for joining us again. Yeah, man. Thank you, guys. Happy New Year to y'all. I hope that your holidays were blessed. Hope you got to have some rest and some time with family. And I know that's always, you know, it's it's a great time for many. For 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 others, it's a little tough, but... For me, look, man, bless, bless beyond what I deserve. And I'm looking forward to 2024. Look, you can call me H-Town. You can call me Brett. It doesn't matter. I'm not hung up on titles, but I do appreciate you guys having me back. Hey, I, I'm excited because I've been watching you guys from the outside and you guys have been getting some pretty big guests. You guys are making moves. And so congratulations on your continued success with this great podcast. Absolutely. We appreciate it. But of course, I know James, the first time we had Brett on the show, it was after the Astros swept the Yankees in the ALCS four games to zero. And that was basically the last time the rivalry existed because the two franchises have definitely gone in a little bit of a different direction since then. But James, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. You know, I think living in Houston, not being a fan, but, you know, I, I always love talking a little Astros baseball, getting a little uh, Houston perspective uh, of I guess I guess a good a good franchise as much as I hate to say it. So uh, so yeah, I'm excited. Absolutely. I guess the first question we have is sort of describe your feeling of the Astros offseason so far. It's definitely been an interesting one, and I know some crazy rumors out there as well about the team. Yeah, you know, I I think going into the offseason, if if anybody had had any ideas of the Astros going out and making any blockbuster trades, I I, I just think that was really maybe they haven't really been paying attention to Jim Crane and his frugality. Now he he's definitely not cheap. He's he's garnered this because of the Dodgers signing two players for what like 8,000 800 billion dollars or whatever it was. I lost track of the money. Um Jim Crane is just smart with his money and we've got big contracts coming up. Um we've got the Altuve extension which I think is inevitable. You've got Bregman who is in for a massive year. I, I think he's going to have one of his best years since his um, runner-up um, MVP campaign versus Trout. And then you also have Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker's going to want an extension too. Um, everybody's coming in healthy. And so I think they've done what they need to do so far. Victor Carantini, great signing. I think, I think Dylan, um, you know, um, him, him coming over from the Royals, I think he's a diamond in the rough. And I just trust who Dana Brown's bringing in. Now they're, they're looking at a lot of internal, options relief pitching wise. I actually just got off the phone with one of the AAA representatives for the Sugarland Space Cowboys. And he said, yeah, they're basically full steam with these internal candidates. And they signed a lot of minor league guys, relief pitching wise, that they think will possibly, you know, work into the mix, if not for the major league club, help the AAA team be more competitive. So don't freak out Astros fans. We didn't go sign a big one. We haven't gotten Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr. or anything like that. But I think I'm going to trust Dana Brown with the process, and I think the Astros are still poised to go back to another ALCS. Yeah, and 
I mean, my biggest question sort of comes in, like you as a representative of like the Houston fandom, how is Houston and Astros fans feeling about the Bregman trade rumors? Because obviously they've been flying and they like some teams get mentioned, but there hasn't really been anything concrete. Has that sort of just been like out of sight, out of mind? We don't really think it's going to happen. Or has has there begin to be some consideration? Okay, maybe this is true. And like, what would the team look like without like a guy who's been there for the entirety of this like World Series, several time World Series run? Well, yeah, because I mean, since year one, he's been in an, he's been in an ALCS, right? So, I mean, this guy doesn't know anything other than going to a championship series. It's almost like required. And Alex Bregman really. I mean, he's done a lot for the community. He's got a big, he's got a big charity, um, Bregman Cares. Um, I had the opportunity of interviewing him this last year at a Canes event and talked to him about his, you know, foundation. He's real big in the community. And to lose someone like an Alex Bregman, it's not just off the field and on the field, but it's like what what he brings with his bravado, with his moxie, with his confidence. And although he hasn't won a gold glove, you would think that he's won several gold gloves. The problem is he's had Matt Chapman in 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 that position who's won four of the seven in the last seven years so when those rumors started flying around the first thing you have to look at is what is the what is the validity and if they do that who are they trading who are they getting back because you're not replacing Bregman you're not moving Pena over to third Will Wagner's not ready Shea Whitcomb not really ready you don't really have a solid third base option so and unless you're going to trade him and pick up a Chapman or someone like that who is a very serviceable and 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 very good third baseman in their own right, I didn't see it happening. But of course, then you get the news that he he sold his three million dollar home or condo in Houston and moved out to Arizona. Well, that means he's going to be a Diamondback. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. He trains in Arizona every off season. So and he's from New Mexico. So look, you can make of that what you want. I don't think there's any way, and Dana Brown said it, we are not trading Alex Bregman. I think they're hoping that they can get an extension done with Altuve, and I think they're hoping that they can get one done with Bregman, kind of a hometown discount. But he's one of four big guys up, Bregman, Tucker, Altuve, and Framberg. There's no way you keep all four. Yeah, so, I mean, when you look at, at those four guys, I think all four play a very key role in the franchise. I think, well, Altuve... I guess it's the oldest of the bunch and kind of has the most legacy in Houston. Um, you know, Tucker's the youngest and seems to be kind of the budding star of of the bunch. I mean, who would you be most comfortable walking away and, and seeing and having to part ways with when when push comes to shove? Well, I think Altuve is going to have a statue like Bijou and Bagwell. So I think he's, like you said, very well stated. I think he's cemented. Um, but if I'm looking at longevity, if I'm looking at what's best for the club, not where my, like my heart takes me to Bregman first, but longevity and age wise, I just think Kyle Tucker, I, I still think Kyle Tucker hasn't really, we haven't seen fully in a, in a full season, what this guy can do, not only defensively, but offensively, of course, a lot of Astros fans see him disappear in the postseason. And let me tell you, that performance, I mean, I was at game five of the ALCS, I was at game seven, and I have never seen him squat down instead of like taking warm-up tosses in the outfield, just squat down in the outfield. But I think of these guys, Kyle Tucker is your five-tool guy, is your perennial all-star, your perennial gold glove. He's going to get up there. He's going to be solid. 
I think you have to let Bregman walk in. If now, if Bregman's willing to take a hometown discount and it works for the club, by all means, keep him. But honestly, if I were the Astros, I would look at trading Framber Valdez. And I know that shocks a lot of people, but think about it. Can we get more out of Framber? It has he, I'm not saying he's peaked, but what more is Framber going to accomplish and how how much higher will his value be than right now? So I know with the pitching questions and McCullers and Garcia coming back, they're probably not going to do that. But I would let, if it's a position player, I would let Bregman of the three walk. If it was a, one of the four players and I had the opportunity to trade one of them, I would trade Framber. As much as I hate to say that, as much as I love Framber Valdez, I think he would be my second option. I think the interesting thing also with a Kyle Tucker is that whenever the Astros let go of one of their core guys, whether it's Correa or Springer, there seemed to be that next guy coming up, whether it was Tucker or Chaz McCormick replacing George Springer and whether it was Jeremy Pena replacing Correa. There doesn't seem to be that piece, at least anymore, to replace Kyle Tucker now that Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford were traded away to the Mets this past season. Do you think maybe they were thinking in advance when they made the Verlander trade of, hey, we now know we have to keep Tucker around long-term because his replacement, Drew Gilbert, is gone? Or was it just sort of, hey, we're going all in on 2023, let's get JV back on the squad? You know, that, you know, I think I think it was more of the latter. I, I think they thought bringing JV back would be somewhat of a, like, a shot in the arm, you know, trying to maybe recreate a little bit of 2017 magic. And... I, I think I think Verlander coming over here kind of messed up Valdez a little bit. I mean, Valdez has that no hitter. He's he's rolling. And then Verlander comes back and he just becomes pedestrian. I, I think Framber wants to be the ace. And that re, that replacement in the outfield, I, I would say you do have a couple options. I don't know how close they are, but Joey Loperfito. I think is a great corner outfielder. It's got a great, I mean, his left-handed bat is developing very nicely. He's got opposite field power. Um, he's got bat to ball skills. He's got a, he's got a glove. He's got an arm. And then you also have, um, because we, we traded Clifford and Gilbert, correct? Yeah. Okay. And we kept Melton. Melton is another one that I think we could look at in the outfield. So maybe the more replaceable player, is Kyle Tucker because like I said, I don't know how close Will Wagner is, but then again, Will Wagner may be ready to 2025 or even Shea Whitcomb. So um, yeah, it, it's just, it's just tough, man, because Kyle Tucker is a very likable guy and he's just, he, he's had some tough luck when he first came up. He had a lot of criticism. Oh, look, he looks like he's lazy and he wasn't the fire brand. And we're used to those personalities, you know, we're used to the Bregmans and the Correas. We're used to, and we don't really have a whole lot of that anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that there's like, there's obviously so much like possible turnover when it comes to the actual roster, but and the Astros are getting a new manager. Joe Espada is coming in. And my, my real question is how does that, how do you think that's going to impact not only the way the team looks on the field, because obviously there was, there's some stuff with Maldonado and Yainer Diaz and people saying that, Diaz should have started over Maldonado. But how do you think that that will impact the on-field product as well as how, like, a new manager causes a change in like culture and chemistry? So how do you think Espada coming in and a new, younger manager is going to affect the Astros' just day-to-day proceedings? 
You know, honestly, I think it's going to be a pretty seamless transition because you have a guy that understands the culture. I mean, obviously him and the Latin players, I, I think the Astros have one of the deepest Latin American lineups in, in all the league. I mean, we have an outreach to the Dominican, to Venezuela, to Puerto Rico, to all these Latin American countries. You know, a, a lot of clubs do, but the Astros are really focused and a lot of our newer stars are from Cuba, from Venezuela, from the Dominican. And Joe Espada understands that that culture but he also sat back and I, I I thought last year was a good year for him because not once did he counter Dusty in the press. Not once did he disagree with him. He talked about respecting him. And even if there were moves that I'm pretty sure Joe Espada did not approve of, you never heard of it. That to me showed a lot of maturity on his part. And I thought if the Astros went any other direction, it would have been a mistake. They could have gone Ron Washington's the only other name I would have gone after but even then, Ron's new coming in. He doesn't really know the players. I think you're going to see a more steady lineup. I don't think you're going to see Pena hitting second and ninth and seventh and second. And I think you're going to see guys stick in the lineup where they need to stick. And um, look, this guy, Joe Espada, gets on the field with the guys, works with them, works with them with their hitting, works with them with their fielding. And so he is very much a hands-on manager. And I, I think it will be a re in, reinvigoration of life. Because look, Dusty, this guy has played baseball as long as I've been alive. I'm I'm 48 going on my 49th birthday, and Dusty's probably forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know, right? And with the with the Yiner Diaz and Martin Maldonado, did Yiner want to play more? Yes. And I actually spoke with Yiner and his agent last year several times, but he looked at Maldonado as a professor and he was a student. And again, he wanted to play more, but this is Yiner's year. And we're calling it the year of Yiner Diaz because I really think had he played more last year, you're looking at the American League Rookie of the Year. James is muted, James. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I thought Yiner Diaz had a fantastic season. I think he was very underrated. Uh, you know, when you look at his full 162 averages, he actually was really, really, really outstanding and it upset me a lot to see that the Astros could just plug and replace just, it seems seamlessly every year with another superstar, but another guy that I always come across every few months, um, mostly because I'm going to be the show is Forrest Whitley. Uh, and what do you think is going to happen with him? Do you think maybe this could be the year he breaks out can stay injury free? Maybe we could see Forrest Whitley making some major league time with these question marks in the back end. Uh, and you know, maybe some spots becoming available in the rotation. Right. And, um, you know, Dana Brown has has stated very explicitly, we want him to be in this bullpen. We want him to contribute. And I think he's going to be a very strong option in the bullpen. Of course, health is always has always been his Achilles heel. And he just this is a guy that every time he takes two or three steps forward, he takes one step back. And it's not necessarily his fault. It, it's just kind of circumstances. Um, but where a lot of people in like Astros nation, they're like Forrest Whitley. I've never heard of him. And, or, you know, it's like, I've heard of unicorns, but I've never seen one. Trust me. If Forrest is going to do it this year. I mean, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it this year, because I think this is really their, their last option with him. And from people that I've talked to close to him, he is ready. Like he is excited about this season. He is looking forward to contributing and he is really looking forward to actually contributing on the major league level. So 
I think he may be one of those internal options that they're counting on. And you know what? If he does, even even if he's above average, you're going to get to see Forrest Whitley. And he may not be throwing 100, 103, but as long as he's spinning that 91-mile-an-hour slider and hitting between 94 and 97, I think you've got a guy that can really help extend if you have a starter that doesn't go long, extend to the Brian Abreu, the back end of the bullpen. I think the Astros bullpen is definitely an interesting spot because I know established guys like Hector Neris aren't there anymore. Phil Maton has moved on as well. I guess Brian Abreu is the setup man, although people are arguing he's got better stuff than Ryan Presley. So it remains to be seen who takes that eighth or ninth inning type of role. So how do you think this all plays out in the Astros bullpen this year? So I think it depends if they get back Neris. I think it I mean, they're still talking to Hicks and Nerys. I, I mean, that's that's not completely off the table. I think Nerys is more realistic than than Hicks personally. To me, I would have I would have said I wouldn't have given Nerys a blank check, but I would have said we're signing you for three years. Let's go. And I know they're kind of shying away from the three year. A lot of people assume because of the Montero three year deal. And look, sometimes you sign sometimes you sign a guy in baseball. Because you know this guy's never going to have another opportunity to make this kind of money, so you throw him the bone for helping you get to the World Series and win it. And that's probably what they did. Um, but I don't know that from internal sources at all. That's just my assumption. But I, I really think Bennett Souza is 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 going to play a role. They're looking forward to him contributing. Um, Parker Mashinsky, if he can be a, a decent left-handed option, would be good. You know, we're not bringing back Stanek. But um, Spencer Arigetti, is he going to come up and start? Is he going to play a bullpen role? We don't know. Um, Sean Dubin, um, are they going to bring him up as a spot starter? Are they going to bring him in as a, I think Dubin coming in as a bullpen option, a mid to late inning guy, because when, when you talk to these guys that are playing in AAA, they would tell you, you know what? I'm a starter here. If I can be a relief pitcher in the major league, I would rather be a major league reliever than a triple A starter. So you may see some transitioning from guys that are typically starters in triple A come up and fill some vital roles within the organization at the big league level. Yeah. And, and I think, I think Dill made a great point. You know, the back end, I mean, watching a Bray in the playoffs, he was incredible. You know, Presley, Presley can be fantastic at times, but, you know, he also goes through those spurts where, it's been a week and man, he just hasn't been able to shut a game down. Uh, so, I mean, do you think Brian Abreu has any chance to work his way into that closer role this season? Or do you think Ryan Presley still has that on lock uh, as long as he's with the Astros? I think, I think Presley is closer one um, going into the season, obviously. And, and, and this is what I, this is what I tell people. I think, and I, I'm not saying necessarily this is, this is the basis of, your comment. But what I notice about closers in major league baseball is if a closer isn't your firebrand hundred and something mile an hour throwing guy, people automatically label, Oh, he just doesn't have the stuff. I'm like, well, no, like he's pretty elite. The way Presley spins the ball more times than not, this dude has been nails and he's gone on and he's made, he's made save opportunities in multiple innings and when he does go bad and see that's the thing with a closer when they go bad it's like a field goal kicker right you can have a field goal kicker hit 50 field goals in a row but he misses two in a game he's the worst we got to fire him we got to get a new guy in i think presley is closer one now if for some reason presley 
unfortunately would not want this to happen, go down with an injury or just really gets into a hole. I don't see why Joe Espada and and Josh Miller and those guys put Brian Abreu because when it's all said done for Presley, Brian Abreu is young enough. You can be, he can be the heir apparent. He can be that next guy up. Um, there's another guy too, um, Ronel Blanco, who I really think if they can unlock some things with him during the season and keep him consistent, um, he could be someone to come in to help fill that void. So there's not as much to fill in the back end. Um, but I would absolutely love Brian Abreu to become the closer. This is a guy that when he first came up, they were like, he's going to be a starter, a four or five. He's going to give us five to seven innings. And then they were like, wait, we really got something here. <laughs> and then he started walking people and then he got worse and then he got better because he came into camp, I think two or three years ago, like overweight and he didn't work out. And ever since then, he has just been excellent. And to me, one of the most dangerous people on the mound for opposing hitters. Yeah. I mean, I just have another question about another young Astros pitcher who sort of needs to prove something this year. Christian Javier is still owed around $60 million, right? And he didn't perform like the type of player that I think many were expecting after being a part of that World Series no-hitter. So where does he where does he stand right now? Because obviously there is some like turnover in the Astros pitching staff, but are the Astros still going to be like heavily relying on Javier to have a bounce back or are they looking for backup options? No, I mean, I think, I think for all intents and purposes, just, just because of, I mean, a, like you mentioned the money, <laughs> you know, you're, you're paying this guy, what this last year, he was 10 and five with a 4.56 ERA, 159 strikeouts. Um, I have him having a better year this year. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is or what it was, but one of the things he has to do is he has to have more confidence in himself because you can see him sweat. I mean, he sweats bullets whenever he gets in tough situations, but he, I mean, he has, as long as Javier stays within his own abilities, right? As long as he, if he's missing with the invisible, with that, with that spin rate, with that fastball, that just kind of, it, not only disappears because it comes out of his hand weird, but just the path of the ball through the zone. If he can try not to do too much and overthrow, I think Christian Javier can have a bounce back here. Maybe the pressure of signing that contract got to him. Maybe he was a little too lackadaisical in the offseason. But from what I understand, he's laser focused for 2024. And I don't think you're going to see as high of ERA as you did this last year. Um, I think he I think he competes with Framber and with JV for most wins. Maybe he's not your win total leader at the end of the season. But look, he's got to figure it out because they are depending on him. They they don't have another option at number three. Yeah, and I think I think there's one other pitcher that comes to my mind um for the Astros uh that really has something to prove is Lance McCullers uh coming off you know another season, another season ending injury. Um I mean, what do you think, and what and what do you think his his outlook is, and and do you think that the Astros can rely on him to be a true number four guy and and make make the starts they need him to make this season? Yeah, definitely. You know that is that is going to be tough because he's not going to come back until July. Him and Garcia both are slated to return mid season, so I think they work him in slowly. Maybe he gets a few rehab starts. He comes in. If it were me, I would put him middle. 
um, or give him some, what do you call it, like piggyback starts. Um, you know, our minor league pitchers are designed for that. Hunter Brown was very successful doing that. And to caveat into Hunter Brown with Lance McCullers is if Hunter Brown isn't having a great year, when Lance McCullers comes back, you could piggyback those two. That would be a great one-two combo because Lance McCullers' arsenal is different than it was. His, what he's going to throw, his changeup, his fastball, his curveball, all that stuff's going to be tailored to keep him off the IL. So it depends on, is he spotting his pitches? Is he comfortable on the mound? And if he does that, this guy is a workhorse. He is everything H-Town. He has embraced this community. And as much crap as people give him for not being on the field, there's not a single person in this organization that wants that wants him out there on the mound more than Lance McCullers. I think you're going to see Lance McCullers work in slowly. And if he's going good, man, he's going to have some key playoff wins this year because he wants to come back because his last postseason start was five home runs versus the Phillies. And he just, you know, he, I mean, he was injured this last year. So he, he wants to prove something to other people. So I think Lance is going to be key this year, but Hunter Brown too. Hunter Brown's got a lot of proof because he was very up and down this last year, but I think you see better, better um, results out of him overall. Yeah, I think, I think, I think there's a true six, seven man rotation battle. I mean, in, in probably early August with, with McCullers and Garcia coming back, uh, I think that'll be, that'll be interesting. I think that that's a good, it's always a good problem to have when you have six or seven guys competing for five rotation spots. Assuming exactly. everyone stays healthy. Exactly. And, you know, real quick, and the guy that always gets lost in the mix, Jose Arquiti. When you yeah. talk to people about Jose Arquiti, when I talk to Joe Thon, who's now the um, who's now the manager of the hooks, and I, when I talk to any of the pitching instructors, this guy just throws strikes. Like, I know what I'm going to get when Arquiti gets on the mound. He's not going to wow you with his with his with the you know, he's not going to smoke a fastball by by a hitter, but that 92 mile an hour fastball is very deceptive. When the way those guys swing at it, you would think they were swinging at a 105 mile an hour pitch. Jose Arquiti could hold a key to a cog and he could be a key piece in a trade. He's been rumored before in the past. So it'll be interesting to see what his role is this year. Absolutely. And then the big question that we always ask all of our guests towards the end of the episode and not to brag James and Henry, but my bold prediction at the beginning of the offseason did just come true in the last 10 minutes. And that was that Harrison Bader is signed with the New York Mets to be our starting left fielder is official now. But uh, we do like to ask our guests for a bold prediction for the rest of their offseason for their favorite team. So if you have a Houston Astros bold prediction for what might happen, and of course, Harrison Bader wasn't that bold, so we're using the bold word in quotes. But if you have an Astros take for the rest of the year. Um, my bold take, or let's just say what I would love to see, and I don't care what it costs, just sign Jordan Hicks and Hector Narius. Let's just do it. I mean, let's just run this. Let's just let's just let's just let the JV squad in Arlington know who runs Texas <laughs> baseball. Yeah, they they got a title, but they also bought it and whatever. I mean, you can put together a good AAU team. I just don't see I just don't see the stars shining that bright up up in Arlington. I mean, dude, this is a, this is a town that that puts a hole in the roof because they say God needs to see in on their football team. Do they realize God can't see through thing? Like, come on, man. Like, they're so short sighted up there in Arlington. They're still the little brother. 
But um, I, I, I think I, I think the Astros do make at least one or two more relief pitcher moves. That would be my bold take. Now, do they do it? I don't know, but I think it would benefit them if they did. Absolutely, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, James. I think I think I just have one more question. You know, I mean, obviously going to the ALCS like that's a huge success. I think for most teams. Um, but would you consider last season a failure after the moves made for Justin Verlander trading away some top prospects? I mean, how would you? overall outlook last season and and look ahead to to this upcoming season was it a success was it a failure it's just well, i mean losing to the team i guess the team up north uh i guess you'd call them <laughs> well i guess i guess for living in the sports then the social media sports world that i live in yeah it's an absolute failure because now i gotta hear rangers fans still gotta hear it but you know what i wouldn't expect anything less from them because I'm pretty sure that at the end of the day, if I was in their shoes, I'd be doing the same thing. Um, case in point, I was up at ALCS game five and I had someone yell at me, hey, wheelhouse. And I turn around, these two kids in Rangers gear walked up to me. They're like, hey, we follow you on TikTok and we're big fans. And so we were talking and I, I did a little interview for Locked On Forum and, and, and just, you know, he was like, man, if the Rangers win, I'll be excited. But his favorite player that wasn't a Ranger was an Astro was, um, <laughs> was um, Jose Altuve. And he's like, but if Altuve wins another one, I'll be happy for him too. I don't think this season was a total failure, but I do think that they underperformed at home. It was an anomaly. No one could figure it out. It wasn't the batter's eye. I, I mean, it was just baseball is a mental game. And if you get inside your own head, I don't care if you're Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, Shohei Otani, I don't care who you are. If you can't get it between the ears when the time comes, when the time calls, you won't be successful. And they just, I've never seen that. I, I was at that game seven, just, I was dumbfounded. It's like, we, we're not just getting beat. In game six and seven, they beat the brakes off of the Astros. I, I mean, it wasn't even really a competitive match on, on either side. It was all Rangers. And so... For me, I think as a fan knowing and as a commentator knowing how good this team can be, I think it maybe is a failure. But overall, with what they dealt with and still being one game away from the World Series, I think there are a lot of teams like the Yankees that would have liked to be in the playoffs and in, a, in an ALCS. And so, therefore, I think it's a success because it gets you to a greener pasture with Joe Espada, and I think this offense next year is going to be even better than it was last year. 100%. And I think one thing I do also want to mention, because I'd be remiss if we don't talk about this a little bit, but your new venture, AD Sports, if you want to give a shout out to that here and let our audience know what you're up to. Yeah, man. So we are a group called Athletically Declined Sports. It started literally nine months ago, and it's a group of about 12 of us who we just are trying to revolutionize sports content. So I have my own show, the H John wheelhouse show. Um, I talk about not just baseball. I talk about basketball. I talk about football. I, I had the original Houston Texans running back, Jonathan Wells on. Um, I had Jackson Gatlin from locked on rockets on. I'm working on some other guests. I mean, look, we've got big things coming up. We've got a big charity event. We're doing here in town on February 17th, like a big telethon at Dave and Buster's. We do live shows. Um, three months or three Mondays out of the month at, at our local Dave and Buster's and Webster. We're going to an award show in Vegas. We got nominated for the cheer choice award. So, and we're up against the, the Savannah bananas <laughs> and last ranking. We were over them. So I'm stoked, dude, but it's cool because what I'm focusing on is basically 
I'm all about H-Town. We're going to be going to these hat stores. We're going to be going to restaurants. We're going to be talking about just what it means to be a part of H-Town and the sports culture. And so you have to check us out, man. We got fantasy stuff. I mean, it's just, we've got gaming. We've got um, AD gaming. We've got biggins. We just had a guy join our team. His name's Captain Planet. Um, This dude plays with McCullers and Correa and all these guys. And so the sky's the limit. So watch out, everybody, because AD Sports is coming and we're taking over Texas. I love it. Absolutely. James, you're down in Texas. You have to go check out some of the events. No, 100 percent. I definitely definitely got to check some of that stuff out. It sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, seriously, we'll reach out to you, man. Um, um, Anytime you want to stop by, just um, hit me up on the socials and I won't tell anybody you're a Yankees fan. <laughs> I did uh, see I did see one of your giveaways the other day for some Astros jerseys you were doing, and I almost I almost DM'd you. I almost I almost did. Those were some pretty sweet throwbacks. I hate to admit admit that. I, I was sitting in the car debating it, and I was like, man, I, I just can't. That's treason. I can't do that. I can't. I can't. So get this that. is what's. So this is what's interesting on the uniform front. You can look at just about every team, and they go through stages. Are the Yankees and the Red Sox the only two teams who haven't really like or the Yankees haven't changed anything, have they? I'm just waiting for the I'm waiting for the the what are they called? The City, 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 city yeah. Connect. That's oh, like are the they, one. Are they are they doing one in New York? Yeah, every, every, every like team has to get one. one. They just haven't done this is the last year. They're, they're releasing the last like I don't know, I think 10 teams still don't have one. So we'll we'll get ours this season. I don't know what it's gonna oh, look like. Man, I I I wonder what the over and under on on Yankees fans being pissed that it's a terrible choice or you it's know gonna, no, it's like, gonna be like it's gonna be like the spring training uniform. It's gonna be the most boring thing you've ever seen. It's gonna be like all navy blue and have an NY on it. Like it's gonna be so lame. I already know it's gonna be the maybe biggest. Have like a maybe have like a like a little lithograph in the background of like George Steinbrenner. <laughs> I, yeah, probably it'll just be like it'll just say George Steinbrenner like. In the pinstripes, like I'll just say George Steinbrenner, like little letters, and that'll make all the pinstripes on the jersey. Like if you're hey, if you're over it, the age of forty five, you'll hate it. If you're under yeah. the age of forty five, you'll be fine with it and won't really care. It's just oh. the same difference with the facial hair policy. Who likes it and who doesn't? Exactly. No. Yeah. So I guess that means I hate it, man. Because I am, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm knocking on forty nine this year, man. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, I, I love the Astros. I love all y'all's throwback uniforms and the City Connect. They did a really good job with all that stuff. They've done a really good job with a lot of them. I think I, I just know they're going to mess the Yankees up because we can't have anything cool. All of our merchandise is terrible. Well, considering Yankee fans were upset when you added the little Nike swoosh into the logo, that seems like oh. any little slow edit that the Yankee fans make to their jerseys isn't going by really well. Yeah, yeah, it, it won't be. It won't be good. <laughs> oh, I love it. But this is always a blast, Brad. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you hopping on the podcast with us again. And we look forward to having you back on again in the future. Yeah, man, definitely. And um, we'll definitely, I'll let you guys know. We'll have to invite you guys over to AD Sports, talk to our guy, Kyle Klontz. And then we also have Travis Duke, who is the second leading all time appearance guy for relief pitchers at university of texas um he missed the record by two appearances and so travis duke's a part of our team we we got some really cool guys and we got it we got a guy who's a big jets fan um jet boyer he's our ceo and so we'll definitely have to get you guys tied in absolutely looking forward to it but james henry unless there's anything else either of you guys have to throw in looks like we're all good on this episode everyone have a great weekend and for dylan henry james and brett until the next time the side is retired